This is Unfiltered, episode 281 for Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. Everybody, welcome again to Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. And yes, it does seem different. It feels different, doesn't it? Well, because it's a bit different. My name is Chase, and I'm coming to you live from the Geek Gamer TV studios in beautiful Northwest Washington and on the road for a special series of on the road events. Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. Oh, hey, buddy. It's great to be here on this really high-fidelity remote connection. You know, a special edition of the Unfilter show, don't you know? You know <laughs> you know what? The, the quality... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I was no, going to say, Skype's really uh, improved, you know? It's yeah, really... Yeah, it's gotten good. Yeah, it's gotten good. The, the Roadshow edition, and for the first time, I think, hosted out of the Geek Gamer Worldwide Studios. Yes, so, thanks, so out, of, out of the, what, four-plus years that we've done this show... I'm I'm actually at home, and it feels odd to be doing this show here. But uh, but thanks to producer Matt and yourself and our awesome audience, we are uh, able to do this. Uh, big yeah. shout out to the Patreons, by the way, for you making know, it's this happen. Kind, it's kind of a big deal to do it today, too. Uh, I just right here at the top of the show want to say Happy Stormy Daniels Day. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but no. uh, in West Hollywood today, actually right now, as we record the episode. Stormy Daniels is receiving the key to the city. The West Hollywood City Council is going to present Daniels with the key to the city outside of a sex toy shop uh, because she is now part of the official resistance, the worldwide resistance. What's the uh, what's the key made of? Like, I'm, I mean, uh, it's actually a really high tech silicon. Uh, does it look like pleasure. a key? Does it look like a key? That's that's what I want to make sure about. Oh, happy, oh, yes. happy Stormy, Stormy Daniels officially. They're marking uh, today officially Stormy Daniels Day. Well, well, I, I, you know, I don't know what to say to that. I, I'm just, I'm just really floored that that honor was was given to her. And uh, <laughs> your jelly is what it is. You're I am, I am. You know, she gets a key, uh, maybe a rubber yeah. key, silicone key to the city. You know we, what you get? What do I get? You get a bunch of angry tweets sent at the wrong guy. That's, that's what you that's get. What, that's what <laughs> I get. A verified check mark. That's yeah. that's what I get. So. Well, so uh, these roadshow editions uh, are going to be a little different. You know, we've changed things up just a little bit to accommodate a kind of a tighter production schedule. Yes. Because the reality is I'm going down to Texas and I'll be driving some days 13 hours a day. Plus, I'm trying to take, keep as many of the shows going as possible. So it's a, just an intense amount of work combined with travel and just all the stresses that come with all of that. So we're making a couple of efficiencies. That's why one of the reasons why we're broadcasting out of Chase's studio. The music and the intro is going to be changed out for a little bit as we do this. And the shows, the shows will be a little more focused, a little tighter, uh, a little shorter. But we're going to try to do them. You know, we're going to that's that's the that's the key thing this time is. Yeah. Instead of just taking the time off, we're going to try to keep the show on the road and at least keep talking about the stuff that really matters. Well, and that's just because obviously, you know, thanks uh, to things that are happening right now. Mm. There is some incredible things to talk about every single week. Yeah, and I am using the road trip as an opportunity to sort of shift the way I ingest some of my information. I'm shifting yes. to, or maybe I'll talk about it more in the future, Yeah, but I'm shifting to a couple of different formats and mediums that are better suited for my travel style. Right. Uh, and uh, I think that's going to be interesting, too, because, it, you know, it's good to just change up the input for a while from the, from the different sources. So. Oh, yeah. That's that'll all be coming in the future. But in the meantime, why don't, why don't we start things off with a little traditional cyber? This time, a family planning center was attacked, Chase, and this is a little raw video. A little and audio raw, but from little, the, yeah, uh, a little a, raw, Chase, yeah, a little raw a, dog audio. ASL, buddy. I just want to say, start by saying how I'm sorry I am that this has happened, and to apologize so sincerely to all the clients that this has affected. I want to stress to people that this has absolutely nothing 
to do with and no impact on our clinical medical records. There's no evidence that this attack, this cyber attack, was on family planning New South Wales itself. It was one of a number of attacks that occurred over around Anzac Day to a number of organisations and it appears, well it certainly was, an attack for ransom so it was financially motivated. It was the vulnerability in the software that the website was built on. So, so Chris, I thought Russians were doing the hackings and, and now we're hearing about family planning clinics getting hacked as well. What's going on here? Yeah, and uh, can we just can we just make a book of unfiltered cyber recommendations? We need to get like a whole book and put it together and sell this sucker on Amazon because oh. I think we could solve a few problems. Number one, if it's controlling a reactor, don't connect it to the internet. Okay, there's a hot tip, but I'm going to give you a tip it's number a great two. Tip. Yes, ransomware is not a cyber attack. Ransomware is negligence. When you when you cannot recover from ransomware, it's negligence because the 100% guaranteed solution to ransomware is backups. If you can restore your data, you don't have to pay the ransom to get your data. Yeah. It's literally a one-to-one simple binary situation. Well, what do I always say, Chris? You got to back it up to get it back, right? <laughs> yeah, you always say that, Mike. I, it's I always, always say this. You've always said that. So I, I really think we need to... Um, we need to stop calling phishing attacks and we need to stop calling ransomware attacks, uh, cyber attacks or sophisticated cyber attacks because it it betrays um, a, uh, how you really should protect yourself and it makes it seem like it's over overly complicated. Right. When in reality, it's actually very, very simple to keep yourself safe online if you just follow a few basic principles and procedures and uh, good backups and having a good copy of your data that's in more than one location that is current and that you've tested recovery is is another one of those things, just like having multiple passwords. All right, there's unfiltered hot tip number three. So tip number one, tip number unplug one. your... Yeah, unplug your reactor from the internet. Tip number one. All right, but, but Chris, mm, then easy. I can't monitor the power right. that is going into then my that, city. Right. Well, then those cheap contractors out of India can't uh, replace the American company that's monitoring the temperatures. Right. right I understand. Yes, it's difficult. Uh, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then, tip number two is uh, get good backups and stop treating ransomware like it's some sophisticated cyber attack. Okay. Yes. That's tip number two. Yeah. Good. And then, hot unfiltered tip number three. Use a password manager and use a unique password for every site and service you use. And then when it gets compromised, because it will get compromised, your passwords won't be screwed. Yeah. And if you follow those basic tips, you're going to be safer than apparently most institutions in the United States. The I, I, I have a feeling, though, Chris, that uh, our audience doesn't need those tips. No, no. Maybe they should be applying for a job at the FBI, Chase, because it, it appears that the FBI is looking for looking for new hires. That was me, by the way. My bad. <laughs> when someone says FBI, people typically visualize agents doing this. Get on the ground! Not this. So let's say be interested in drugs. There are fifty. But now, more hey, Chris, than ever, Chris, the bureau mm-hmm, needs more. Mm-hmm, did you mm-hmm. spot? Did you spot what? I mean, let me let me just back it up yeah, a couple yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you see what I see? Well, I, what I see is uh, I see a MacBook Air yeah. uh, with Windows 10 on it <laughs> yeah. running Chrome. Yes. That's very odd. I know. And, th- and it has a big white label above it that says FBI. Then, strangely enough, behind it is an iMac that's turned off. And you, and by the way, you're watching K-Gun. Um, yeah. Oh, okay, good. K-Gun yeah. 9. <laughs> I was wondering, is this guy actually – I think this is green screened on the Mac. I'm it just, might, it could be. You're right. It does I, look a little fake. It now feels that you talk, a little fake. You mention it. Yeah. So, sorry to sorry to detract. Uh, well, distract. actually, before you go, yeah. You know what else strikes me about this is talk about the biggest cake job in the universe. So when you're an employee of the FBI, that must come with insane government benefits, and not to mention <laughs> the prestige of working in the FBI, yeah. and probably tons of kinds of military discounts. Yeah. And you get to sit on your fat ass and look at people selling fake pills on Facebook. And you could probably you probably make eighty five k a year doing that, Chris. I think it's time to start up our LLC once again, uh, one of those disposable <laughs> ones. Than ever, the bureau needs more agents working from behind closed doors. Most any background in called the cyber field is a need for the FBI. Supervisory Special Agent Martin Helmer says the FBI is actively seeking out cyber-minded people. These are people with backgrounds and disciplines such as system administration, engineering, Hey-o. information hey. technology. 
hey, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about this so far. I'm hitting, I know, I'm buddy, hitting all that, the bullet I'm points. Thinking you and me could be making a new live and run a Windows 10 on our MacBook Airs. Chris, man, what are we doing? Computer science. In order to successfully carry out many of their investigations, the FBI needs tech-savvy agents who work from behind the keyboard. Most of what we do, uh, whether you're investigating a bank robbery, a fugitive case, or a computer intrusion, sophisticated computer intrusion. Want to work from home? Join the FBI today. That's... <laughs> involved. Like reporting Facebook posts? Join the FBI today. Join the FBI today. <laughs> some sort of technical component, and it therefore requires some technical know-how. There is a difference between cyber crime and cyber warfare. Criminals commit cyber crimes to victimize someone, to steal, to harass them, to intimidate them. And we usually think of that as a financial victimization or harassment or so, that sort of thing. Whereas cyber warfare would entail a national security component. Helmer says they also need these bright cyber minds because the criminals they deal with are getting smarter and they're getting better at what they do. We, the FBI, try to remain one step ahead of them. Uh, by hiring technically minded people, smart people who, who know cyber. So you have that cyber mind. Do you think you have what it takes to work for the FBI? Head to kgon9.com to find out what positions may be best fit for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> File your application today. <laughs> I got to say, man, like, I'll give him a couple tips, too. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the tips today on the Unfilter program. Apparently. You know what? We're, we are being helpful to the audience. Yeah. Uh, OK. Tip number one. Stop calling it cyber. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, tip number two, uh, let them smoke pot. And uh, tip number three is uh, stop calling it cyber. So there you go. There's the three tips. That's all <laughs> excellent tips. Uh, tips yeah. for sure. Yeah. Now um, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears and let's talk about the Russia the Russia stuff. I I, I really uh, I there's really no collusion, like, Chris. So we don't need to talk well, about it. I know. I, I really feel like the ground keeps shifting out from underneath us on this investigation. That's like, true. It's it, first of all, it's Papa Dops, uh, Bragan when he's drunk, and then and then it's then it's a dossier, and then it would go back to Papa Dops, Bragan when he's drunk, and then it then it's a secret informant. And okay, so we just we need to go through all of the most recent Russia stuff, and I think a good reset of kind of where we're at right now would be good. Okay, and I'm not saying Cucker Tuckerson is the way to do it, but he's going to help us get there. So let's start out with Cucker uh, calling for um, some hard proof, Mister Cucker. Get with Cucker. Welcome back. We're still joined by Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell of California, a member of the House Intel Committee. If you've been watching cable news for the past year, no doubt you have seen the congressman talking a lot about Russia. Here's part. Russia attacked our democracy this past election. And then they showed up to his uh, Trump Tower, offered the evidence to his family. They received it. They didn't they didn't turn it down. Donald Trump for years had been working with the Russians. He brought people on his campaign who had ties to the Russians. We have seen a candidate and a president who has spoken in very flattering ways about Vladimir Putin. All of the arrows continue to point to a personal, political, and financial relationship that Donald Trump had with the Russians. The congressman has come on tonight. We've given him a lot of time to present to us evidence, actual evidence. I got to give it up to this congressman, by the way, Chris, for, for, for really going right in. And, you know, he's he's I mean, obviously, he's playing to his partisan, you know, Democratic Party here. However, you know, he's going right into the belly of the beast. He's going in and he's been consistent, at least with his message, whether or not you agree with it. And, and this goes out to the audience, whether or not you agree with it, at least he's consistent. Yeah. Talk about going to the lion's den. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if you get a certain level of notoriety, if you're the one that's willing to go on to the opposition media and take your lashings. I wonder if that gets you something, because you see some of these lower level Democrats who are strong believers in the in the core, uh, like whatever the core issue is of the day, right? They're, like that's like their thing. They'll they'll come on and they'll they'll really they'll try to sell hard and they'll do that for a year or two and then they just kind of like once they seem to work their way up the ranks, they, if they no longer need to go on TV anymore. Have you noticed this? That's true. Yeah. Once they once you hit like the next plateau or platinum level, if you will, yeah. if you're doing a multi-level marketing scheme, yeah, then, exactly. yeah, you, then well, you're, you're so good to go. Swalwell, is that how you say this guy's name? Swalwell? Swalwell? He, I don't, yeah. He's not there yet. He's he's still at the lower level of the pyramid. <laughs> so, so if he makes it from Fox News to say what? 
RT or like what's, what's... <laughs> no no Fox is a step above RT. Okay 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 okay. So what so what you're going to see if he starts going on if he starts going on Fox CNN and MSNBC and then he stops but his political career continues on then right. he has graduated to, to the level of the pyramid where he no longer has to go play a t- TV personality. But if you see him go on these television shows and his career doesn't continue that means he failed to pass this level. And he'll fall behind. Fair enough. Are we ready to, uh, I guess, hear his uh, case for, for collusion? This is his here? case for collusion. All, yep. right. All right. Here we go. Mr. Swall. Of collusion. Congressman, thanks a lot for coming back. Yeah, of course. Tom. So there, you know, Trump said in the campaign, I want to bring us closer to Russia. A lot of people agree. I certainly agreed with that. Um, a lot of people on his campaign. Why? Pe- Why did you agree with that? Be- because. Whoa. Whoa. Wait a minute. He looks so confused, Chris. That's He's strange. Like- Are you carrying water? <laughs> I mean, I know that they have nukes and that we should try to keep peaceful relationships with anybody that has nukes. But yeah, what? What? This is a geopolitical matter. I think the enemy is China. And I and I think we have so we have more than one enemy. Uh, sure, absolutely. But I just think it, I, I don't agree with <laughs> the posture. Oh, my God. This is not a good start. No. So dude's calling for multiple conflicts. And, and, and Cucker is just saying economically, Swall? China's the one that's eating our lunch right now. And, and he's like, yeah, but can't we fight more than one superpower at a time? <laughs> so so I, I, I give everybody uh, who are guests on our show uh, the benefit of a doubt. And right now, Swalwell started strong. All right. Sliding, though, isn't he? And now he's sliding, he's sliding a bit because, like, <laughs> let the host come out with the questions. He wants to have a nice, honest discord with you. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Just, on, back it, just back it up a hair. Back it up a hair All right. because that's, yeah. this is good. Yeah. Why? Why did you agree with that? Yeah, why? Be, because as a geopolitical matter, I think the enemy is China, and I and I think we have we have more than one enemy. I, sure, absolutely, but I just think it. I, I don't agree with her posture, aggressive. I don't agree with the Trump administration's posture toward Russia right now. Actually, whoa, that's, I don't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't either. I, but it's I think interesting it's, to hear Tucker coming out and say that. Mm, but maybe he does it early, so he kind of you know hides it. It's too bellicose. Whatever. But that's a legitimate point. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't make you a traitor. Um, but is there actual evidence? Where's the? I've followed this pretty carefully. Where's the actual evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Putin? So, 2014, 15, 16, Russians hack into our DNC. They weaponize social media. 2015, they make what I think is the first approach that we know. So, Felix Sater, Russian American, former business partner with Donald Trump, approaches Donald Trump's lawyer Michael Cohen and says, "Let's get Donald Trump to build a." Trump Tower in Moscow. Right. We can engineer this, get Trump and Putin together, and make our boy president. So that's the first known approach. Okay, all right. They didn't say make our boy president. In fact, there was no discussion about president as far as we know. It was just there appears to be discussion about a Trump Tower in Moscow, and Trump seemed to really like the idea. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So the hacking's going on, and you start to see these different approaches, and there's two different types of approaches. There's the approaches to get Trump and Putin together, which is unusual because he's a candidate. And then there's the approaches to preview the hacked emails that the Russians have against Hillary Clinton. So you see that offer made to George Papadopoulos while he's over in London by a Russian. He lied about that. He pled guilty to lying, admitted that it occurred. You see the approach with the June 9th meeting, the Agalarov family. Russian developers close to Putin, trying to get Trump and Putin together. They offer, you know, dirt on Hillary Clinton. That June 9th meeting, they move heaven and earth, Donald Trump Jr. and Paul Manafort and Kushner, to take the meeting, right? Right. Donald Trump, days before the meeting occurred, once his son knows the meeting's happening, tells the world new information's coming out about Hillary Clinton. Days after the meeting, Julian Assange tells the world that Hillary Clinton emails are coming out. Then you start to see the hacked emails released. What does candidate Trump do? He doesn't disavow him. No one in the family says we had taken these meetings. Instead, he invites the Russians on a public stage to hack more. So I right, yeah, so asked him to stop here for a second. Yeah. Um, the one thing that's really, I think, difficult uh, in 2018 on May 23rd is the thing about the release of the emails was um, they were more timed with uh, news than they were with like strategic, um, uh, like Russian planning. So it's hard to remember now, but like, uh, something really bad about Trump would come out and there would be a release or something really good about Hillary or bad about Hillary or there'd be like, it was more timed about, uh, the news cycle. And Julian Assange was even tweeting about how like in one month we'll release this in two months we'll release this. Like he was preemptively, forecasting when he was going to be releasing batches of information right 
And yes. it was, it was, there was a separate cadence to it that was outside of what this, what he is spinning here. What, what, what he is spinning here is a retrospective of history. So it's, it's bringing two disparate data points and saying, well, this one happened at this time, and this one happened at this time, so ergo there must be some sort of correlation. Right. But causation does not equal correlation, as we all know. So the the logic is is sort of solid on the like first pass. When you see it, you're like, oh yeah, right. Shit, that is sort of interesting timing. But if you can bring your mind back, or I don't know, listen to our back catalog where we document this shit every single week, you can hear how it was really this big ramp up that Julian Assange was doing to give WikiLeaks a bunch of public um, positioning to raise money, to raise money, yeah. to raise his profile about his situation. Well, it, it was it was much less to, and his and frankly, as he would say in his own tweets, his dislike for Hillary Clinton. Well, and I think it's it's actually more than money, too, uh, because of the fact that at the time, I think WikiLeaks was was starting to get this. I don't know this this kind of uh, impression of that it was kind of backdoor and underhanded or whatever. And I think those they're trying to raise the legitimacy legitimate. I can't even say the word right, right now. Legi- yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because that is true. That is true. The, the like WikiLeaks is a legitimate, like um, a whistleblower source, of information. source yeah. where you can get, yeah. uh, dare I say unfiltered information, yeah. you know, with, with that, any kind of bias towards it. And this is what the impression I was getting at the time uh, of that, where the, you know, Hey, if we want to get straight, raw information, Hey, Get it from WikiLeaks because you know at that point it's not going to be spun in any way. Right. Now, later on, we learned that WikiLeaks had a clear preference for the Trump campaign. Right. But again, that's not really surprising if you follow Assange at all. He's sure. never made a secret. He oh, does he not hated like the Hillary. Clintons. Hated Hillary. Yeah, absolutely. You want more on this guy? Or you yeah, a little to... more. A little okay, more. Let's uh, go just for a couple more minutes. We'll let him, then we'll let him finish up. All right. We're talking about his he made press an invitation. conference. He, yeah. he, he did. Um, so I think we, we have that. This is July 27th, 2016, at the Doral National, which he owns in Doral, Florida. Here, here, here's the clip you're talking about. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Let's see if that happens. <laughs> so, yeah. two questions. He was rewarded. One, um, do we have the 30,000 emails? Did Russia ever come up with those? We're still... Oh, know, no, no, they, they didn't actually. But, you know that? But <laughs> oh, oh, Tucker. All right. That was yeah, a little right, cheap right. shot. Okay, but right, you know, yeah. he recovers. But legit, he recovers. He legit, yeah. Uh, well, we haven't seen him. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's let the Mueller investigation continue. Uh, I, okay, maybe yeah. Mueller's in contact with the Russians, yeah. but but Trump didn't come up with yeah. those from the Russians, so that yes. didn't happen. But let me yes. ask you this: If Trump was going, there's still say, an attempt there, right? Okay, but you can attempt no to email. do something okay. and fail, and it can still be a crime. But would you do? I mean, I hate to inject common sense into this. Would you do it in broad daylight? To make secret contact with yeah. Russia, your handlers back in Moscow, wouldn't you dial them up in the shortwave in the basement? Would you really send a coded message in the middle of a joke at a press conference? I'm not- Actually, I want to say something before I we hear the answer. Sometimes when you're blatant about something, that can also be the cover in its own right. Just to play a little devil's advocate, because people would think, wow, he wouldn't really put that in public. But sometimes people do. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but yeah, I mean, people yeah. do. Donald Trump is maybe the He's most unique, media savvy politician yeah, we've ever totally. had. Totally. I agree with that for sure. I'm not yeah. saying he's the smartest guy in the world, Tucker. Never accused so him of that. that what, that's, that's the smoking the gun right no, there. That's part of the evidence. An invitation made by the candidate. At a press Telling conference. Telling him it's okay. Okay, but he's not that the was on guy television. In the okay, so yeah. he's both a secret agent for Putin, but he's so dumb that he spills his secrets at a press conference on TV. The latter. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't add up. Nah, right? I, no, I agree. I agree. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying that it's not outside the realm of, of people doing that. You know, I mean, you see it all the yeah. time where, where others were like, I didn't do it. No, no. Or, you know, do it, do whatever. And, you know, and it ends up being true anyway. So I've seen it both ways. Yeah, oh. I, I, I would I wouldn't say it's impossible. No. I wouldn't say. And sometimes you can signal and you can message in a way that uh, people that know what you're saying can be clued in without the rest of the public being known right. to be clued in. Yeah. Yep. Um, why don't we why don't we shift uh, to the uh, Spygate is uh, what Trump's trying to brand it as. And I think that might take off. What do you think? Do you think Spygate's going to take off? Ah, uh, good old Spygate. You know, <laughs> you think that'll be a term? I know. He, I know. I know he's trying. 
I know he's I know he's trying to spin off that term. I mean, granted, he didn't he spin off the whole term fake news, right? So was that his? I couldn't remember. I mean, I, I just remember it, it came up during Pizzagate. Which, right. Oh shit! I just got our video taken down from YouTube. Uh, well, <laughs> let's let's talk about this FBI informant. Yeah. who was uh, it was working to monitor the Trump campaign. This is a super interesting. This is one of the most interesting stories that has broke this year because it started with a lot of we can't talk about this. This is this is going to this is going to affect source and means. Uh, this has been sort of at the root of the battle between the Justice Department and Nunes, not you. Yeah. And it's uh, even even today, like on the pre-show, I was playing clips of uh, even after this guy's name's been known, they still won't say his name. Because they don't want to affect sources and means. So play the first clip here, and then yeah. I'll, I'll fill in some background. All right. Let's turn to Matt Apuzo and his colleague's lengthy report in the New York Times on the FBI's closely held investigation of the Trump campaign, begun exactly 100 days before the 2016 election. Codenamed Crossfire Hurricane after a Rolling Stones lyric and Jumpin' Jack Flash, the report is based on interviews with a dozen current and former government officials and review of documents. It claims that only about five Justice Department officials knew the full scope of the case at the time, not the dozen or more who might normally be briefed on a major national security case. Fearful of leaks, FBI agents kept details from political appointees across the street at the Justice Department. Peter Strzok, a senior FBI agent, explained in a text that Justice Department officials would find it too, quote, tasty to resist sharing. I'm not worried about our side, he wrote. Kept secret that agents were on the trail of campaign advisor George Papadopoulos and went to London to interview the Australian ambassador about his claims that Michael Flynn's foreign payments were under scrutiny, as were campaign chairman Paul Manafort's that agents suspected Carter Page had told Moscow about the FBI's 2013 warning to him about espionage targeting. To quote the Times, the facts, had they surfaced, might have devastated the Trump campaign. Mr. Trump's future national security advisor was under investigation, as was his campaign chairman. One advisor appeared to have Russian intelligence contacts. Another was suspected of being a Russian agent himself. So, Matt Apuzo, uh, first right, of all, thank here. you to you right. and your colleagues so for this report. Let's, let's pack this. Uh, let's let's. I, I don't even know where to start, actually, because yeah. this is this is this is one of those stories where they're reporting around the core aspect of the story. So, so much of the so much of the discussion has been. Uh, about Trump getting spied on or about revealing sources and means. Uh, and I think it's super important that we take a moment and we we talk about who this guy was that was the informant for the Trump campaign because it really, truly, truly makes a difference. And uh, he his name was Stephen or Stephen or Stephen. I think it's Stephen Halper, H-A-L-P-E-R. Right. So you can Google this guy if you want to double check anything I'm about to tell you. It's S-T-E-F-A-N-H-A-L-P-E-R. Now, it, it, the headline takeaway of what's significant about this informant on the Trump campaign and why they're not talking about who it is, is because this is the same individual who oversaw a CIA sp- spying operation during the 1980 presidential election. Yeah. Same guy. And this guy is sort of, he's sort of, uh, this is, this is his gig. He was responsible for a long-forgotten spying scandal involving the 1980 election. The Reagan campaign, using CIA officials managed by Stephen Helper, reportedly under the direction of former CIA director and then vice presidential candidate George H. W. Bush. Oh. Yeah, he was caught running a spying operation from inside the Carter administration. The plot involved CIA operatives passing classified information about Carter's foreign policy to the Reagan campaign officials in order to ensure that the Reagan campaign knew of any foreign policy decisions that Carter was currently considering. Over the past several weeks, House Republicans have been claiming that uh, that the FBI during the 2016 election used an operative to spy on the Trump campaign and then that would triggered a bunch of F, a bunch of FBI outrage trying to block his identity and prevent that information from leaking to the media. The top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner, who spent much of last week actually trying to make sure that Trump's CIA pick, Gina Haspel, got actually in, actually threatened his own colleagues in Congress with criminal prosecution 
if they tried to obtain the identity of the informant. I'll have links in the show notes. Unfiltered.show slash 281. So Mark Warner, the top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, actually threatened legal prosecution if they try to get this guy's identity. Even though this guy's been known. You, he's not, he's already, he was, his, his identity was blown open in the 1980s because of his involvement with this spying scandal. Uh, and I think it's pretty notable that the person that the FBI used to monitor the Trump campaign is the same person who worked as a CIA operative running that 1980s presidential election spying campaign. That seems massive to me. Like, yeah. There's just no way around it. That well, there, it, it, even, you can't even write if this it is off legitimate, as like standard operating yeah. procedure, right? Right. I yeah. Mean, this well, is still huge. Yeah. You can't write it off as coincidence at that point. That is just way too, too wicked and, and too, uh, very tuna tooth words, right? What I was about to say, dodgy, very dodgy. Yeah, it's very dodgy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also has, uh, extensive ties to the Bush family, which I, there was rumors early on that the dossier was maybe started as opposition research on behalf of the Bush campaign, which then once they stopped was then taken over by the Democrats. And so this guy who was the FBI informant, who was a CIA asset, Harper or Halper, however you say his name. Yeah. Yeah. He's got extensive ties to the Bush administration. This is from The Intercept. I'll have this link in the show notes as well. Um, they, they say, few remember that the CIA's perceived meddling in the 1980s election. It had open support for its former director, George H.W. Bush, to become president. Uh, and that was a political controversy at the time. In 1980s, the Washington Post published an article reporting on the extremely unusual and quite aggressive involvement of the CIA in the 1980s presidential campaign. This is a quote from the Washington Post in 1980. Simply put, no presidential campaign in recent memory, perhaps ever, has attracted as much support from the intelligence community as the campaign of the former CIA director Bush. Now. You would argue, and I think you could make a great case, that you and I have never witnessed the CIA throw in behind a presidential candidate like they threw in behind Hillary Clinton. Mike Morrell came out, and he went all in on Hillary Clinton. The Clapper went all in on Hillary Clinton. There was a lot of CIA former directors um, <clears throat> or uh, or even just agents. Like uh, I don't know if Morrell was technically a director because he was only a, he was like a deputy director but uh you know a, a lot of former cia people on television went all in on hillary in a way that i don't think we'd ever seen before i'd never seen that before. no i haven't either no and in 1980 that same thing in the 1980s that same thing happened for george w bush so i i think whatever else is going on with this informant however standard operating procedure it is for the fbi to investigate campaigns like this I think it's pretty easy to understand why many people in Washington were desperate to conceal this guy's identity. Yeah. Well, that makes it, perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think the motivations that they said were motivating them were bullshit. And the motivations really were, if you knew who this guy was, then it would like look like some dirty play. So with that in mind, let's play clip two now from uh, the uh, this segment. Next tonight, President Trump's growing pressure on the Department of Justice. On Twitter, the president demanding an investigation into whether the FBI or DOJ, in his words, infiltrated his campaign for political purposes. There was a meeting today at the White House with the deputy attorney general in charge of the Mueller investigation and the president's own recent pick now heading the FBI. So did the president get what he wants? ABC's chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and FBI Director Christopher Wray arrived at the White House today for a meeting with a president highly agitated about the Russia investigation. I hereby demand, the president declared, that the Department of Justice look into whether or not the FBI DOJ infiltrated or surveilled the Trump campaign for political purposes, and if any such demands or requests were made by people within the Obama administration. He seems uh, to be following you, through... How do you feel about the tweet, him calling out and demand like mm. I I understand his style. And, you know, I, I know um, I don't fully agree with the uh, tweeting style, but I understand he's your atypical president, of course. And, you know, he's been true to his word and, and how he is. But the whole demanding yeah. thing, it just it's funny. You, it's it funny you asked me that today, because today, uh, literally earlier today, I think my my thinking shifted on this 
um, because I've always felt like it's great because it's great for the show, first and foremost, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and then second of all, like, it's interesting to get a level of transparency or insight into the mind of the president that I've never seen in my lifetime. I just find this to be fascinating. If I just if I just sit back and watch the shit show and don't have any investment in it, I find it to be really fascinating. Right. But if I ever accidentally have investment um, for just a few moments, I start to wonder if this isn't actually doing some damage to the institution. Um, because really, what is the nation other than if it's not really our 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 shared perceived? Like t- taxes are getting paid because we all believe that money is a real thing that government's an authority. Right. Like when the cop pulls you over. Uh, and if you've had too much to drink, he can haul you to jail. Right. The only authority that he has is because all we all believe we all share in the delusion that that person has some authority over you that makes them some different. Like they have special atoms. They have special stardust in them that make that gives them some authority over you. But that's all a shared illusion. Right. And when you start to chip away at the fundamentals of our shared illusion, it may be doing more damage than we want to initially admit because it's one thing for some dipshit podcaster to say something out of his RV up in Skagit County. And it's another thing for the president of the United States, like the, the top person of this shared illusion to sort of be chipping away at it. it. And in some ways, maybe it's time. Maybe it, maybe it's a shared illusion that needs updating. Well, but in other ways, I have to wonder how it ever quite kind of repairs after this. How do you ever have faith in the FBI or the or the DOJ? Exactly. I mean, we we all have this impression that these uh, certain agencies are are supposed to be independent, they're supposed to be apolitical, and they're supposed to be there fighting for us as Americans, quote unquote. You know, uh, you know, about the law, right? And, and going after the bad guys, no matter it doesn't matter who they are. And when they start taking sides and start doing some weird and interesting things like this, it it does give you cause for pause. Here's where I think we're at Yeah, is I think it's time to acknowledge that this shit is so far gone. Oh, yeah. It's been corrupt for so many years, probably our entire lifetimes. Yeah. Before before we were even born. And there's really no fixing it. And now the politicians that are savvy enough to recognize that are capitalizing on that to be a populist candidate. And the politicians that are not savvy enough to recognize it, like your John McCain's, are fading away. Well, and I wonder if if maybe this isn't the spark to massive change by the time my kids are voting. See, it could be the very foundation yeah. to a massive revolution. The, and that's where I guess the the part there's a part of me that's admittedly fearful because I see us getting wedged and divided so much. And, yeah. And and you know and yeah. I and you know and I see in, you know whether or not for example you you believe in women's rights and, and abortion and, and things of that nature. And, and you see right now the current administration doing certain things in that regard. There are people out there that feel the opposite. And it's like, it doesn't matter what they think. It only matters what my party thinks and what I think. And, this is why, and, and this that's is where why, I get, I get so pissed off on both sides on this is because come on people. Why can't we get in the freaking middle on this and, and talk yeah. to each other and respect each other like adults. And we yeah. can't, we get so polarized and go caught in our confirmation bias. And I admittedly get caught in it. And I really this try is, to open my mind. This, what, oh, what, what yeah. you were, what you were describing right now is why state rights are important because yeah. people have different opinions in different areas of this country. And this is why I wish Bernie Sanders more, the more I think about it would have won. I wasn't, I wasn't as sure at the time, but now that I look back at it with hindsight, I wish Sanders would have won because he may have broke the system even even faster. If my conclusion is correct, if if we are so corrupt as a nation, if the institution is so far gone that now the politicians that are that are banking on that are the ones that are winning, we really are in a situation if you if you zoom out and think about yeah. it. And the only way I can really think through it is to really break some stuff. And I, you know, I say that because I'm in a situation now where I, I've been going this entire year without health insurance and there's been moments where that has scared the shit out of me already. Yeah. And it's pathetic. Uh, my lady friend, Hadia, if she were to get a prescription filled for her insulin with, without insurance here in the States, she got a quote for $900. If she goes up to Vancouver and buys it over the counter, it's $60. See, that's cool. I mean, $160. Yeah. I'm sorry. If she has a prescription in the UK, it's $10. Uh, it's $900 
versus she goes over some imaginary line that we've just decided is a border and right. she gets she gets it for a hundred the same product, a hundred and sixty dollars. And yeah. if we lived in the UK, she'd get it for ten dollars. Yeah. It's insulin for it's life saving insulin. It's an awful some, system. I mean, sometimes I, I, I honestly do feel like you know, part of the issue is the way that our government is, is just generally structured. And, you know, and it favors just two parties and you have to be one thing or the other. And there's, yeah. there's no room for a middle ground. There's, there's no right. room. And right. That's why I feel like if you had to, if you could redo it today, I would do parliamentary you, style for sure. I like, feel like it would be like a peer to peer system using <laughs> the internet with, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it'd be horribly insecure initially. Don't connect your political systems. Don't do it. Don't connect into the internet. <laughs> It'd be using voting, using block. Anyways, yeah. why don't you back up and play this clip? Because I think you know the, that discussion aside about the tweet, he is really putting it out there in the, in the public eye at this point, and then all of the media covers it. Oh, yeah. Agitated about the Russia investigation. I hereby demand the president declared that the Department of Justice look into whether or not the FBI DOJ infiltrated or surveilled the Trump campaign for political purposes. And if any such demands or requests were made by people within the Obama administration, he seems to be following through on a threat he made last month on Fox and Friends. You look at the corruption at the top of the FBI, it's a disgrace. And our Justice Department, which I try and stay away from, but at some point, I won't. The president's new demand comes in response to a New York Times report that the FBI in late 2016 used an informant to question two Trump campaign associates about their contacts with Russians. But there is no evidence the FBI infiltrated the Trump campaign. Today, Rosenstein made light of his high-profile predicament. Deputy attorneys general are very low profile. <laughs> tend not to be recognized. <laughs> oh, that is so oh. hilarious. Oh. oh, thanks. Thanks, Rob. I don't want to lose my job. Yeah, please don't fire me. He has now ordered the Justice Department's internal watchdog to look into the president's concerns, saying, quote, if anyone did infiltrate or surveil participants in a presidential campaign for inappropriate purposes, we need to know about it and take appropriate action. Today, the president received a friendly warning from his ally, Chris Christie, cautioning attacks on the investigation could backfire. I've told him many times that there's no way to make an investigation like this shorter, but there's lots of ways to make it longer. Did you hear that uh, belch? Yeah, was that him? Belch, Chris Christie I, belch there. Maybe he was just a little um, hungry. So uh, I think that's probably enough. On yeah, that. fair enough. Yeah. Chat room thinks I want a socialist America. Uh, I don't really. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm just trying to point out that if they can charge ten dollars versus one sixty versus nine hundred, I understand there's subsidies involved. Yeah. But there's there at some level. There, there's obviously you can tell who's running the show. Yeah. Speaking of running the show, Mike Pompeo, I'm your really good buddy. Thinking, he's he's uh, you're starting to see some more FaceTime for him. Solid good buddy. Solid, yeah. really, good really, friend. Really, you guys really, follow really each other like on Twitter. Yeah. I actually don't have a clip of it, but I was watching Mike Mike Pompeo in a hearing today, and uh, you may end up seeing it played around. He loses his shit for a moment. Oh really? And he he gets that. Don't you ever. Like that kind of like Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna screw your I'm gonna screw your life up kind oh, of tone okay. for a brief moment and then he like then and then the and then the senator I can't I don't remember who he was that was questioning him like says oh so now we see the real secretary and as soon as he says that Pompeo's like oh shit and he has like this like he just like mm, I won't forget this look it was really <laughs> interesting so anyways yeah uh, Mike Pompeo talking tough is the first time as the new Secretary of State as you remember. He went from director of the CIA, which is an obvious pre-qualifier to the State Department, I yeah. mean, clearly. I and mean, now he's running the State Department. He's talking tough about Iran, Chase. He's telling them what they got to do if they don't want us to nuke them, basically. We will apply unprecedented financial pressure on the Iranian regime. The leaders in Tehran will have no doubt about our seriousness. Thanks to our colleagues at the Department of Treasury, sanctions are going back in full effect and new ones are coming. Last week, we imposed sanctions on the head of Iran's central bank and other entities that were funneling money to the IRGC Quds Force. They were also providing money to Hezbollah and other terrorist organizations. The Iranian regime should know that this is just the beginning. This sting of sanctions will be painful if the regime does not change its course from the unacceptable and unproductive path it has chosen to one that rejoins the League of Nations. These will indeed end up being the strongest sanctions in history when we are complete. Oh, so right, you can hit there. Yeah. So, so 
I was, hey, NBC uh, News th- viewers. Th- thanks, Lester. Thanks for yes. checking oh, out. I, I know, Lester. You thank little, you. You know what? He Lester, likes to get in there. You. Well, you know, screw to be fair, you. he's trying to keep his job right now. Mm-hmm. I know. Lester's trying to keep his job and keep Bray Wyatt away. Yeah. yeah so Bray I mean, is breathing down his neck. So Mr. Pompeo trying to try to lay down the smack, trying to trying to try to lay down a nice foundation for it. I mean, at some point, do sanctions really matter? I mean, obviously, we've seen how they did cripple Iran to a point where. You know, almost, uh, no, no, no. You see, those sanctions that crippled Iran were worldwide sanctions the, oh, from the just EU, not US, from China. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, right. So, uh, but um, are these sanctions do apply to our patents? Apparently, yeah. I was doing a little reading about this. It's I don't actually fully understand it, but apparently, if you're using technology that's patented by a U.S. company, are, we can make you stop right. uh, doing business with Iran as part of this. But you know, Iran responded actually. So that was Pompeo two days ago, and yesterday Iran responded with their own list. They went to Twitter with their own list of demands, okay. and they say if the European Union and others want us to stay in the deal without the U.S., we have these demands. And some of them are like, you have to call out the U.S. for these violations, and they violated like different like um, uh, codes that the European countries did, hasn't called out the U.S. for, and the different resolutions that apparently everybody agreed to that the U.S. didn't didn't actually follow. Like, you have to call them out on these things. Also, but the big doozy is. Do not interfere with our ballistic missile program. You, sh- <laughs> you shut the hell up and let us keep shooting off ballistic missiles. And the Europe uh, or the Europe Europe must guarantee that the total sale of Iran's oil is is met. So if the U.S. manages to impede our oil sale, we should be able to sell our desired amount of oil. Europeans should, in a guaranteed manner, compensate for it to buy Iran's oil. In other words, if the U.S. does something to affect oil sales, the European Union must contractually, well, essentially, if they agree to these terms, make up the difference. And European banks must guarantee business transactions with the Islamic Republic. Uh, And Europe must confront imposition of sanctions on the Islamic Republic and stand firmly against the U.S.'s sanctions on Iran. Wow. That's the demands of the supreme leader. If the Europeans, if the Europeans, he says, hesitate in responding to our demands, Iran is entitled to resuming its nuclear activities. Oh, oh so while Mike's talking tough, that's they're they're dropping down uh, their demands. Oh man, this I just this is not going to end well. I, I I where's the positive spin on this? I mean, what's going to well, happen? Well, uh, war is good for industry. Uh, me, Does that make uh, you feel any better? Industrial complex. Got it. Yeah. 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 Got it. Yeah. So that's Mike Pompeo's first uh, big public uh, speech as uh, Secretary of State. Uh, he needs to get a prompter. But uh, the uh, world. Uh, yes. You, you know, uh, they used to call it the, uh, the, the, the top diplomat, the top diplomat position. That didn't feel very diplomatic. Speaking of diplomacy. Yeah. We have some very odd diplomacy going on with Korea. Yeah, uh, and there's a term that's been thrown around in this last week called the Libya model. Uh-huh. I want to. Uh-huh. Have you heard this? Have you heard I this have. term, the Libya model? Yes, now, I have. Now it's a complex term. It it invokes it invokes Gaddafi getting pulled out of a gutter drain, getting beat the sh- to, in to the streets. Death. Yeah, yeah. That's what when you say Libya model, uh, it it invokes the fact that slavery right now is rampant in Libya. It's awful. Uh, that's what the Libya model invokes, but it's actually referring to. An agreement that took place in 2011 that got a whole bunch of um, uranium out of Libya when all of a sudden Gaddafi realized the way the wind was blowing after watching Iraq. And he took the preemptive step of contacting the U.S. and said, let's work out a deal. And it was a favorable deal. Essentially, it was the U.S. gets everything it wants. That's what the Libya model means. The U.S. gets everything it wants. They go in, they take out everything. In weeks, everything goes on a on a oh 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 bonus points. Can you guess, Chase, who the architect of the Libya model uh, uh, removal of uranium was? What was it, Mister Walrus, John uh, John Bolton? It was Ambassador John Mother Effing Bolton. <laughs> of course, Archi- that was yeah. All right, go ahead and play our first clip. This yeah, is, fair oh enough. The yeah. U.S. president is urging North Korea to dismantle its nuclear program. Donald Trump claims the North can become very rich if it agrees to Washington's demands. That's ahead of a summit between the country's leaders scheduled for June. We make a deal. I think Kim Jong-un is going to be very, very happy. 
I really believe he's going to be very happy and he'll get protections that will be very strong. His country would be very rich. His people are tremendously industrious. If you look at South Korea, this would be really a South Korean model in terms of their industry, in terms of what they do. They're hardworking, incredible people. Well, you have to remember that for the last several decades, Donald Trump has been very well known as a businessman. He actually wrote a book, a best-selling book called The Art of the Deal. So we shouldn't be surprised to see Donald Trump out front promising all kinds of riches to North Korea if they agree to his deal. And furthermore, we shouldn't be surprised with him indicating that things might not be so rosy if they don't go along with it. This is another statement we've heard from Donald Trump. And I think when uh, John Bolton made that statement... Yeah, I think that's what denuclearization means. And we have very much in mind the Libya model from 2003, 2004. He was talking about if we're going to be having a problem, because we cannot let that country have nukes. We just can't do it. The model, if you look at that model with Gaddafi, that was a total decimation. We went in there to beat him. Now, that All right, model... stop there. I, by the way... During this whole speech, uh, a lot of people may or may not realize, Mr. John Bolton is just over the mm -hmm. president's left shoulder yeah. hearing yeah. and basically try to walk back Bolton's comments that he made on Fox. Yeah, so awkward. God, that is so, that, that would make you feel um, so weird. Can we just uh, can we just uh, appreciate the fact that the current sitting United States president is saying that we went in there to get Gaddafi? I mean, we've played the clip of Hillary cackling about it. I thought about getting it ready for us, but oh, we've heard it before. Yeah, we came. Uh, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We came. We, came saw, we saw he died or something yeah, like something that. Like Anyways, that. Yeah, back yeah. up just a hair. This is Trump. This is now going back to like kind of chipping away at the illusion of the institution, perhaps for the better. I I still argue it could be for the better. This is Trump here saying. The, the words he is using is we went into Libya to get him. That would not be the position of the Obama administration. Uh, I went back and listened to clips of Obama uh, and uh, they, they positioned it as a, a, as a people's uprising as part of the Arab spring. It was part of the Arab spring. And uh, the fact that we had a CIA annex there that Hillary uh, was neglecting had nothing to do with it. Right. But anyways, continue on. Just, yeah. just bear. Just keep that context in mind. 2003, 2004. He was talking about if we're going to be having a problem because we cannot let that country have nukes. We just can't do it. The model, if you look at that model with Gaddafi, that was a total decimation. We went in there to beat him. Now, that model would take place if we don't make a deal, most likely. Ooh. As you, so you got the threat there, right? Yeah, I got the threat right there. Yeah. Yeah. The threat is if you don't do this, then well, we're this still going to come after you. <laughs> like now, Libya, by bringing that up, that's certainly a threat. Now, Libya was the most prosperous country on the African continent until 2011. Uh, the government was overthrown, and the country has been in a state of civil war ever since. You know, people are fleeing. It's just in utter chaos. So bringing that up is, is certainly, uh, you know, using both the carrot and the stick, as some would say. Now, uh, we've recently heard North Korea threatening to pull out of the negotiations over the provocative military exercises that are taking place in South Korea. You have the U.S. forces there, and they're essentially a rehearsal, according to North Korea, for invading. North Korea uh, and the United States, Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump, you know, playing a hard negotiation game in the lead-up mm -hmm. to this planned meeting, uh, hopefully resolving the crisis on the peninsula. So the whole world is watching them, waiting to see what happens next uh yep that's yeah. what that's what's going on yeah. is they're both trying to get leverage kim's leverage is pulling out and trump's leverage is the libya model and the threats that are sort of veiled within there because both john bolton and donald trump know what they're saying when they say that oh yeah are they do you think that they might be playing good cop bad cop a little bit i i I, I got that impression like right away especially when um, Bolton didn't seem too phased by what the president was saying. You remember uh, last week or so when I said, like, I watched a lot of John Bolton clips recently? Yeah. There was a clip from about a year ago, about this time, where John Bolton said, if you could get North Korea to the negotiations table, that is when you double down on the pressure. You don't let up at that moment, because if you let up then, they're going to run the table. They'll try to take advantage of it. You have to keep the pressure up. All the way up to the summit, right. all the way up to the, that's the Bolton negotiation tactic. Right. And I watched, I, I don't have any links, but I, you can go, you can, there's 
you can go do what I do if, if you want and just watch hours of these guys talking. And there is some stuff on, on YouTube where he was on like a Fox News interview where he says that. Man, that just, uh, it, it, I think we got sometimes our, our fingers in too many pies. You know, you got Iran, <laughs> oh, you got North man. Korea, you got the stuff happening here at home, Russia. I mean, come on. Oh man, we you know what we need to do is we just need to like we need to like just clear our tubes and yes. we just we just need to start over, Chase. That's what we need to do. We well, need to just clear our tubes. Well, thank you. I didn't mean to leave that from earlier. My bad. Uh, but you know, take a, a nice opportunity. First off, I want to apologize for our Club Thirty Three members over at Patreon.com/slash/unfilter. I like I don't know why. Maybe I was so transfixed on making sure that our first ever road show went off without a hitch. That I forgot to send out the uh, the Patreon Club thirty three message, so I apologize to Veratuna and all the others. I I bring up Veratuna because he is like consistent <laughs> always, every week. Uh, yeah. but I want to yeah, say but, sorry, but, but thank you. Really, I think I think not to gloss over it. You you've really had to rebuild a big part of the production end of the show within a couple of days, and yeah. you have a day job and a wife and things to do around the house. So yes. it's it's I think a little excusable. Plus. Because we're not going to have a traditional overtime segment, I still have some goodies. I want to give out a little shout out to our four new subscribers this week. Helping us keep it going. Yeah, I like it uh, because it's each one of these has a name that's challenging for me to pronounce. You ready? All right. It's Dramacus, uh, which is probably the one I'm going to butcher the most. Um, Myth Rainbow, Computer Dude, and AJ Kilroy. Those are our new patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter this week. That is all so awesome. Also, uh, a big reminder that we still have about 90 of you whose cards are behind. They they have expired and haven't charged for a while, so you've been freeloading for a couple of months. <laughs> we love you. We don't want to boot you. Yeah. So uh, head over there and uh, uh, maybe um, update your info, because right now it makes it look like the show is doing a little bit stronger than it actually is. And while we're on the road, we could use your support more than ever because we're really working hard. It's fun, though. It's fun for us to change it up. I actually am really enjoying this. Uh, it's good. It's great to see producer Matt rise to the occasion too. I may actually get to see him, you know, because he's in Tejas. Oh, that's so, right. You guys can be able to meet yeah. up in in the rig there. That'd be yeah, great. Yeah, I may, I may get, I may get to see him. You know, it's always touch and go because he's always got a lot going on, and I've always got a lot going on. But oh yeah, uh, I may actually get to hang out with producer Matt in person again. It's been about a year, so it's about time. Oh, that's awesome. Anyways, we yes. we could use your support, or we could at least use you to update your credit cards. Patreon.com/slash unfilter and Mr. Chase, yes, Mommy Mr. Chris. Ah, uh, yes. Let's let's head over and end the show on a great high note. Now, yes. in Phoenix, as police are looking for armed robbers who targeted a controversial Phoenix business. Yeah, it's a medical marijuana dispensary off 44th Street in Washington. ABC 15's Katie Connor live with more. And Katie, what happened here? Well, police say three guys were working together. Kim, one of them walked into this business, went to the back, unlocked a door so his buddies could get in the back. But these surveillance cameras actually captured all of this. And as you can see, those two other suspects trying to get in. But, but this time, an employee inside had actually relocked it. The guys, though, didn't stop there. One of them, oh, dressed in camo, came back with a gun, confronted an employee and demanded money. The employees took him to the back room for the cash. And then the suspects took off. Now, if you recognize the three men in these surveillance video pictures, make sure to call Silent Witness right away at 480-WITNESS. Back out here live, coming up at 5.30, we're taking action to find out how often it is that medical marijuana dispensaries are targeted. Those numbers and that information might surprise you. Reporting live in Phoenix, Katie Connor, ABC 15, Arizona. Thanks, Katie. Um, You know, Chris, a lot of the reason why that these, you know, criminals will break into these dispensaries that happens here in Washington State is because of the cash business and because of the, you know, the, the hope that they can get in there, uh, take stuff from the safe, take product and just go ahead and sell it out uh, on independent markets, if you will. Uh, but man, I mean, yeah, yep. they are such I a have, target. I had a recent conversation with a family member, a new family member by marriage uh, who runs one of the largest cannabis stores in Snohomish County. I don't know if it's the largest. I, I don't know for sure, but it's, it's, it's huge. And uh, he has, as, as a result of that, 24-hour security. It's one of his largest costs. Uh, and it's because it's a cash-only business. And that's, that is really tempting. In fact, I did a little digging around. There is 
a lot of reports of crime at cannabis stores oh, yeah. around the country. It's yeah. it's really it's really bad yeah. because everybody knows that they're they're a cash based business. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants the money. Well, talking <laughs> about mommies. Yeah, mommies here, do need their joints. Here just is a, because just because they're moms doesn't mean they don't believe in pot. Sometimes for them, sometimes for the kids. And you know, and when you're when you're looking at another state trying to get involved, sometimes moms need to step up. I love this debate. I used to, it's a very difficult one, too. Illinois lawmakers voting to allow sick it. children to yeah. bring medical yeah. marijuana yeah. Well, I wonder why, huh? The bill led <laughs> wonder why he loves it. I love this debate. People are suffering and they're getting punished for using something yeah. that is literally a weed that grows out of the ground that can help with epilepsy, help with autism. I love this debate. It's I love great. it. This is so great. Good. Qualified it's students great. to consume medical marijuana on school premises as long as they don't smoke it. And school officials agree that it won't disrupt other students. But... Is that a step in the right or wrong direction? So you go through chemotherapy or something like that. Here's debated Ava Pence. She right, has a daughter who we takes. Don't need, we don't need debate. Now, Come one on. thing. I, one yeah. thing I will say though, Chris. Pop moms, Chase. Pop moms. Notice uh, what show this is on. Yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly. Fox and, and Friends, which is their morning Fox show. And who is their number one uh, audience? You uh, people tell me it's the president of the United States. A lot of people say. So the, the way I see this is it's not only obviously a story about cannabis and about legalization in Illinois, but it's also trying to possibly send some messages uh, to the uh, to the chief. Ooh. Maybe. I'm not, Maybe. I don't know, but it, it is. I, I don't believe in these coincidences anymore, man. We, you and I both see this stuff all well, the time. Well, I'll tell you this. If you know the, the president of the United States watches your show, yes. every single segment that you're putting together, yes. you're thinking about every that block. audience member. Absolutely. I can guarantee you that. Yes. You, wanna, you want some hmm. more here on the debate? No, I okay, don't. Fair enough. I, I, I hate that stuff. I don't. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, uh, that's, 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 uh, that is... The, the mom, the kids, and the vets is is really what we're seeing as a lot of the uh, forward advocacy positioning yeah. by uh, cannabis legalization. That's a pretty strong argument. I just think it's one that not even Fox can back away from. No, nope. And you know, if it obviously, uh, I don't have the cl- you know the audio uh, clip, but you know, it's always about the money, right? So, <laughs> show it to me, buddy. That's right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. Next week, I will be in Idaho when we talk. I believe. That's right. That's right. And don't forget, you guys, head on over to Unfilter dot show uh, to get all the show notes and uh, see what's going on. Yep. I'll be at Chris Elias. He's at Nunes. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week. See you guys. Have a great one.